Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We continue with the gospel reading with faith. Today's gospel reading comes from Luke 24, 36 through 48. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus himself stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified. They thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise into your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are a witness of these things. Thank you, Faith. Our sermon um, is what's up now. I shared it with another pastor, um, get his thoughts on it, and he said he liked it and made him think of this quote. And this quote comes from uh, Clarence Jordan. He's the co-founder. Here it says Koinonia Farm, but he's also the co-founder of Habitat for Humanity. And it says, the good news of the resurrection is not that we we shall die and go home with him, but that he is risen and comes home with us, bringing all his hungry, naked, thirsty, sick prisoners, prisoner brothers and sisters with him. Him being Jesus. Because... The sermon, I'm going to talk about it here at the beginning. Um, Yes, it's a proclamation. I always want to proclaim God's love for us when I preach, but it's also a teaching. I know most of us don't have time to go to the Bible studies or read scripture or books about scripture as much as we would like to. And so then the ideas that we have about our faith and what we think Christianity is Uh, really come from so many other surrounding ideas, from movies, from media, from what we hear other Christians say um, that maybe we don't necessarily uh, agree with, but if we don't say anything to counter what other people are saying, we just assume, oh, there's Christian on it, that must be what I believe as well. 
So I'm going to talk about the importance of the physical aspect of the resurrection and what that means for us as people of faith. And I even get to an aspect of, I don't even say projecting or speculating on what happens after we die, knowing that when we get to that part, nobody fully knows. But I think scripture does point to something, um, and it may not be always what we assume. So some of it, what you might hear might be new. Some of it that you hear might be different what you thought, uh, but I hope it helps us understand uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Hey everybody, it's me, Pastor Tim, here in front of the whiteboard. It's been a while since we've done a sermon with this, but I thought this might really be helpful or beneficial. I want to do some diagramming, some writing to help you visualize things, because I want to make this sermon might be considered more of a teaching uh, than a proclamation. Obviously, we will proclaim God's love for you. Absolutely. But I want to explain some concepts that I think are often grossly misunderstood. Uh, at least I knew I misunderstood them until I had someone tell me differently through seminary or through other reading and podcasts that I've listening to since then. And um, it has really, I would say, made a profound impact on how I view my life in faith, and what I think God is doing, and how we all are invited to participate in it. And the scripture that we have this morning really lends itself to it, because we have scripture in which it's a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And it happens just after, maybe even the day after uh, Jesus was raised from the tomb, because Luke 24 contains, uh, the beginning of it is the women at the tomb come and, to prepare the body, and Jesus is not there. They go and tell people, and then the ending, or the second part of Luke 24, is we get the story that's commonly referred to as the road to Emmaus, and so you have two early followers of Jesus, two disciples are walking along, grieving over what occurred, and Jesus comes and walks with them. They don't know who he is, though. They make it to the end of the day. They invite Jesus to eat with them, to not go on. Jesus does, breaks the bread, and that's when they, oh my gosh, this is Jesus, that's with us. Then, the way our passage starts is, while they were discussing these things, so those two that were with him, that, that had their eyes open, that Jesus was with them, are now talking about it with others. It doesn't say it's a long period of time afterwards. You don't really know, but I'm, I'm making the assumption um, that it's a really relatively close thing, that they've had this experience with the risen Christ, and they go and they they tell others and they trying to understand what it means because they have no clue what it means. Because not only were Messiahs not supposed to die, it's not even the fact that, oh my gosh, now he's raised, he really must be the Messiah. It's that Messiahs aren't supposed to be raised from the dead either, right? If they're not supposed to die, then they're not even supposed to be raised from the dead. So this is all new information to them that they're trying to comprehend. What does it mean that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty? And not just alive like the tomb is empty and now Jesus is some spirit, but Jesus is in some type of human or bodily form. He's not a ghost. He's not a zombie, but real flesh and blood, similar to what form the disciples are still in, similar to the form of what he was in. 
But now there's something different, something new about Jesus, but still something extremely very physical because the scripture goes through and says they were able to see the sores, see the wounds, see the holes in his hands and in his feet. And that Jesus then asked for something to eat, right? He needed to nourish his body. And so I want to talk about what does it mean that this bodily resurrection that Jesus experienced what is our resurrection going to be like? And so I want to talk about what resurrection is and what resurrection isn't. A commonly, and I think, misunderstood concept of our faith is what happens after you die. I think this is how we commonly refer to our life of faith and what happens after you die. You're born, right? You live, at some point you die, Hopefully along those lines, you are baptized. And depending on whether you're baptized, you could go one of two places, right? You die and you could go to heaven. And now everyone who has died is at heaven and looking down on us. Or you haven't been a good person or you weren't baptized and you die and you go to H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> or you go to hell, right? Where there's eternal damnation and you're tormented. Uh, and then essentially what happens at some point in the future, we think Jesus, who's up in heaven, is going to come down on all those people who are still alive, all those people who haven't died yet. Jesus is going to come down and he's going to take them. Whoever is left, whoever has accepted Jesus, Jesus is going to come down, take them only to bring them back up to heaven. And then everything else that's left, whatever is left on earth, essentially is going to be destroyed. And now what's left in the end are all of our souls up in some heaven somewhere. Right? Does this sound familiar to you? I want to be blunt, but I don't want to be harsh. This is not what we believe as Lutheran Christians, okay? There's a whole lot of reasons why uh, this has come into existence, other philosophies, things that we want to believe, things that we feel we find comforting. But this, born, die, go to heaven or hell, Jesus will come get everybody else who's left and our souls will live in heaven forever with Jesus while everybody else is in hell. That is not Lutheran Christian. I would say that's not even a Christian point of view. What I want to do is talk about what do we believe about the resurrection? How does that affect how we view death? But more importantly, and I've said this before, our faith isn't so much about what happens after you die. It's not about as we often think, life after death, right? This is much more concerned with life after death. Change one word. Faith is much more about life 
before death. Not that it doesn't have implications afterwards. But what does it mean for us for life before death? And I think if we have a better understanding about what happens after we die, this area, it will give us a better understanding of what happens before we die. So I'm going to do my best to try and explain this knowing I don't know everything. And this isn't coming from me. Like I said before, these are concepts that I'm continually learning about. Uh, and I would have said I would have been much more along those lines until I had gone to seminary, until I've done further reading. One book uh, outside of seminary that you all have access to uh, that would be really beneficial, one author who's done great work on expounding on these ideas is uh, by a gentleman named N.T. Wright. I've talked about him before. He really is a leading biblical scholar, New Testament scholar, um, who talks about what really is the relationship between heaven and earth and life and death and the resurrection of Jesus. One book I really enjoyed, Simply Christian, Why Christianity Makes Sense. Uh, he has a great chapter in the back of it that really expounds on this idea, new creation starting now. Uh, but the whole book uh, really does a good job of it. The other one by him that I highly recommend, and I just loaned it out to someone, is called Surprised by Hope. Surprised by Hope. Um, so if you want to read more about it, this would be a great way to do it. So here's what I believe, and what I'm coming to understand maybe is a better way of doing it. The world was created. Right? Creation of the world. And what did God call the world in the beginning? Good. Not just good, but very good. Creation of the world... Very good. And again, I don't believe in a seven-day literal creation. I believe in the creation through evolution over billions of years. This creation, all that is in it, is in existence. It's going to live. And at some point in the future, well, let me even say this. God then puts humans on here to steward it, to take care of this creation, to help it thrive. Not just survive, but thrive. And so over the course of history, over the course of time, humans have come and lived and done good things and done horrible things. And in it, we have the story of Abraham and Abraham's children that are called by God to help course correct, you might say how we have strayed and we're called into that story. But the way the story culminates is at the end is restoration. New creation. But the way the story works, the way the Bible talks, is not that the old creation is destroyed, not that everything is, is us to go somewhere else, but rather, the way the story ends is the restoration of a new creation. Everything is made even better. It's made new in some way. Not that the world is destroyed and our souls go up to heaven. Rather, 
the physicality of everything, the blood, sweat, tears, flesh, bone, flowers, dirt, all of that, right, is restored, a new creation. And our lives are spent living into this hope of what is to come. And so the resurrection, Jesus, Easter, let's say, not let's say, Easter, is the future being brought into the present. That's why we call Jesus the first fruits. What happened to Christ at Easter will happen to everybody else. Right? If you remember the Apostles' Creed, a bodily resurrection, we confess that. And his kingdom will have no end. So Jesus here, Easter, is the sign of what will occur for everybody. That means our lives, but that's, let me say this, that's why it's important that there's a physicality to Jesus. Because I think there's a physicality to the restoration of the world that is to come. What happened to Christ will happen to us. So now our lives, within that time frame, right, we have all these billions of lives in there. Our lives here, we are born, right? At some point, we will die. At some point, we still have that future restoration. The judgment of the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. The future bodily resurrection. The question is, how does this affect here? And then what many people want to know, what happens at this? If we die here and the resurrection, the restoration is yet to come, what happens in this interim period? I'm going to get to that in a minute. But what our baptism does, at some point we're baptized. And remember, baptism is not a decision we make for Jesus that now says, I get to go to heaven. Rather, baptism is God's proclamation that you are part of this restoration project, that you are going to be made new, that this death isn't the end. The future has come to you. Which means now we get to live the rest of our lives in celebration of that. In celebration, I know you can't really see it, in celebration of the restoration of the world. Which means we ask ourselves, when God makes everything new, when everything is restored, what's part of it? What is it encompassed with? What isn't there? This is why we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Heaven is not some place we go to when we die. 
heaven is something that in Christ is brought here to earth in the restoration. Heaven is something in our baptism we get to have a glimpse of. So when we think about what is going to be heaven-like, what is this time in the future in which God restores all of creation? If you had to describe that time in which God restored creation, in which all was made right with the world, what words would you use? Beauty. These are words I would use. What words would you use? Kindness. Laughter. Contentment. Joy. Peace. Right? These are words to describe God's future world that we get to participate in now. What's not going to be in God's future world? And those are things now we work to avoid or we work to end. What's not going to be there? Uh, how about violence? Chaos. Right? Evil. Darkness. I'd say hunger. You know, those racism is not, boy, racism is not going to be there. Sexism, homophobism, those things aren't going to be there. Which means in our baptism, we get to begin living that life now. So we work during our life for these things. We celebrate them wherever we see them. doesn't matter if they have the Christian label on them or not. We celebrate and we participate in them. And we work against those things that are not going to be in God's ending kingdom and when the world is restored, when all is made new. So what happens when you die? If you don't go to heaven, it looks like you might think, right, at some level, we are waiting. Those who have died, they're resting in peace. Rest in peace. Because the hope is still to come. But it's not a purgatory. It's not like uh, they're conscious of it. The way I like to view it, it's a deep, restful sleep. You know, when I... And bone tired and I fall asleep at night, 9, 10 o'clock, whatever it might be. And I wake up at 7 in the morning. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know time has passed. I just know that I close my eyes and I just know that I open my eyes to a new day, to a new life, right? It was dark when I fell asleep, but it was light when I woke up. That's the best way that I can express what is going on with those who have died. Their pain has ended. Their suffering is no more. They are fully at peace and at rest. And just like us, they're waiting for the day in which Christ will come again 
and his kingdom will have no end and we will be restored into this new life that I have no idea how exactly it's going to occur, but I trust that it is. That there's a materiality to it, a physicalness to it. That God saw the world, remember at the beginning, and called it very good. God created the world. He left us to, to supervise, to help it survive, to thrive. And in the end, God's going to restore the world, to recreate it, to make it new. Not to send it into the depths of hell and destroy everything. We're doing a good job of trying to destroy the earth. God is going to renew the world, the cosmos. Not just the earth, but the entire creation is God's. The earth isn't just God's, but the entire cosmos will all be restored all be made new. You are invited into that. This is going to happen. Restoration. Whether you agree to it or not. <laughs> it's not based on what you decide. God's going to do it. We just decide, are we going to participate in it now? Right? God baptizes us and say, yes, you are part of it. All of creation is part of it. God loves us all. We get to decide how we participate in the life that is to come for everyone. That's why it's so important that when Jesus comes in with these disciples, when he appears before them, there's a physicalness to him. It's not that the world is being done away with, that the physical is bad and the soul is good, and now eventually they're going to be separated. But rather, Christ comes in their midst in a physical form because it's good. So are you. So is the world. And that is what Christ is redeeming. The hope of Easter, the first fruits of the resurrection, what happens to Christ will happen to us all. And in some mysterious way, we get to enjoy and participate in it now. Not wait for the future, but we see glimpses of it here. And the beauty and the kindness and the laughter and the contentment and the joy and the peace. May you witness and experience that today and every day that is to come. Amen.